I don't think you could have scripted a better story. And I think one of the things that we were so excited about is to watch this entire region come together. I mean, it didn't matter where you lived or who you were or what school you went to, you were a city fan. And to be able to watch people high-fiving each other and talking about the team and talking about City Park that may not have had a conversation was so rewarding. Welcome to a new edition of the City Voice podcast. I always say that I'm joined by a special guest, but I think this might be the most special guest yet. Carolyn, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. Thank you for um, for taking time out to speak to us. I know you've had a really hectic schedule. Um, we're in a different place. We're normally in the stadium. Um, tell us a bit about where we are right now. Yep. So we're in uh, City SC's new headquarters um, in downtown West, um, actually as part of the training facility in the stadium. And so we are just weeks away from moving in, bringing all of our staff back together under one roof. And so I think we're super excited. Fantastic. And we've got a little view over the training center here. You're going to spend a lot of time. We're in the boardroom right now. Yes, it's a beautiful view. So actually, this window was not here when we purchased the building. So it was a building back, uh, built back in late 1800s, I believe. And so it needed a little bit of a TLC, but it was a great project. So we were able to go ahead, completely renovate the building. And we're looking forward to moving about 120 employees from St. Louis County back into St. Louis City. Fantastic. Well, um, looking forward to hearing a bit more about that. Um, let's talk about football. The season has just ended. Um, you attended the game at the weekend. I wanted to get your your hot take on, on how you're feeling right now. Um, you know what? I'm just so proud. I mean, I'm proud of the team and what they did. I mean, if you think about it, we weren't even supposed to be in the playoffs. In fact, we were supposed to be the worst team. Um, and so to be able to get to the playoffs and to be able to have, you know, two matches, one home, one, one away, um, it really, it really truly was incredible. Um, I think, you know, traveling to Kansas City, watching uh, the team play as well as they did those last 12 minutes were probably the most stressful 12 minutes we've had all season. Um, but it's also a great feeling when you see so much city red in Kansas City. Our fans have been amazing. Uh, they took the trip over there. Certainly not the ending we wanted, um, but absolutely super proud of everybody and all the hard work. You mentioned the the sea of city red down there. Um, you went and spent a little bit of time with the fans pregame. Um, it's not, not something you see often in soccer. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Well, I mean, it was a, it was a way to say thank you. You know, they have brought the party to City Park, you know, with the chanting and the music and the drums. And they've become such a big part of the culture and part of what makes match day experience um, just so amazing. And so to see them come across the state, uh, we actually had employees from the pavilion <laughs> that traveled over there. Some of our restaurant partners, actually uh, one of the chefs from the training center was there. Um, and you're just, you're so thankful that they took the time to do that. Um, but you just also want to celebrate those moments with them as well. And um, now the season's finished and you've had a chance to sit down with the rest of the ownership group. Um, do you feel like uh, the payoff at the end of the season was worth all the hard work that went in before? Oh, I, I absolutely. I mean, I don't, I don't think you could have scripted a better story. And I think one of the things that we were so excited about is to watch this entire region come together. I mean, it didn't matter where you lived or who you were or what school you went to, you were a city fan. And to be able to watch people high-fiving each other and 
talking about the team and talking about City Park that may not have had a conversation was so rewarding. Um, and then obviously the food scene was a huge success. Love hearing the stories about people actually visiting these restaurants, the brick and mortar restaurants outside of the stadium. Again, that was a very important goal for the ownership group and to see it all come to life and exceed everybody's expectations. You know, you just have to be so proud. So um, you've completed your first full season running a soccer club. There is no university course uh, to, that teaches you that. And um, you've been, in, you know, in the, in the project for quite a long time. Like what's been, the, what's been the most important thing that you've learned about this role over the last year? And like, how does it compare to what you were doing before? So I had to be able to ask for help. And I think that that's really important because it's allowed me to meet people I probably would not have met. And now you have these great friends and these great confidants, and in some cases, mentors that I didn't have five years ago. Um, but it also is a brand new experience. I mean, who gets to build a stadium and a district and a team from the ground up? And so one that I will cherish forever. Um, but, you know, there were definitely days where you're just like, why am I doing this? You know, but then you come to City Park this summer and see it completely sold out and people just having the greatest time of their life and you're like now I remember why I did this and are there any um, is there a big difference between sort of pre-soccer coming here you know like in the build and like being as uh, running a football club when when it's actually happening in the season you know, obviously they knew the family and everybody else but um questions were more around foundation you know fast forward five years now the question's all about soccer and about city park and about the players and about city red and so it is it is just a very different world to be in but it's so fun because it allows me to talk about something that i've become very passionate about then this season's seen a, a lot of winning uh you know finishing first in the western conference the the playoff game wasn't the result um, that we wanted, but the fan reaction after the game and this week to your messages that, that you've put out have been um, really positive. I wondered if you had like a, a sort of message that summed up um, the season and, you know, what, one that will get people excited for next year. Yeah, I mean, first of all, it's just, it took this, it took an entire region, you know, I mean, it really did. It took staff, it took players, it took coaches, but it took bands. It took people buying merchandise, buying seats, buying food. None of this would happen if we didn't have people actually coming to the matches. And so when you think about how critical that is, it, it it's, awe-inspiring, for lack of a better term, to see so many people in City Red. But it really did take this entire region. Um, I think the, you know, better news is now we know what to expect. You know, we're no longer navigating a new stadium, um, new players. You know, a lot of faces will, you know, a lot of familiar faces will return next year. Um, and so it's like we now really get to enjoy what we know, if that makes sense. Because always that first couple of matches, everybody was trying to figure out, well, where do I want to eat? Well, where do I want to sit? Well, towards the end, hopefully everybody's very comfortable. Um, but I think, honestly, you know, this was our first year. I mean, can you imagine what our second year is going to be like? And I'm just excited to see, you know, what it brings. And I think that um, we'll probably have a tough schedule because we're, we're in the Western Conference. I think we'll have some amazing matches. Um, I have no idea if we'll play Messi or not. <laughs> really, I wish Nearly this year. We I, were right, close. I know this close. This, that, that is the number two question I get. Um, but I think just being able to bring everybody back together on a Saturday night or a Wednesday night and high five and have a beverage and have some great food. Um, I think 
well, I think everybody's ready for the next season to start now. <laughs> you've you've spent a lot of time with the squad, um, traveling down at the training ground. I wondered if um, there were any sort of moments that really stuck out to you on, on a personal level that, that you've had there. So I was on Lutz's balcony and it was the actual day of my birthday and I didn't think they knew. And all of a sudden I stop and I turn around and they're all out there singing happy birthday. Not well, but it was the <laughs> thought that counts. Um, and I think I was just so, you know, so shocked. I was like, how did you guys even know? And it was really cute. But um, no, I think just getting to know them personally, you know, you forget that they're people, right? And um, they become like family. And so when they talk about, you know, their siblings or I've met parents, um, love their four-legged children as well. You know, you, you really do start to look at them now as a family and you want what's best for them, right? But it's also hard because it makes the matches more intense because it's like watching one of your own children out there playing. Um, and so I think just being able to build those relationships has been special. And you've traveled the country. You've been to a lot of away days this year. Um, are there any stadiums that you've been to and you're like, wow, that, you know, this has been a great experience for me. You know, I learned something being, um, you know, being in this environment. Well, you know, before we started this project, we went to eight different stadiums. And so we actually got to learn a lot. And I always say that I'm so grateful for the owners and their staff that would say, you know, you absolutely need to do this or you do not want to do that. And so most of them, we went for matches, um, but it was, it's very interesting to see how cities sort of lean into what makes them so unique. And I, the best example I have is probably Austin. Um, and they, I think done, they've done a great job, you know, marketing the color, marketing the stadium, um, but it's still not city park. So while they were great, um, loved being, you know, they were all wonderful, gracious hosts to our ownership group. Um, I still was just happy to come home to city park. And, you know, talking of City Park and ownership groups from other clubs, it always seemed like other ownership groups brought big parties down. They wanted to see the action that was going on at City Park. What were some of the feedback points that you got from other ownership groups? Well, I mean, first of all, they were just, you know, this is amazing. You know, and, and a couple of them said, you know, you drive by it and you don't really understand the magnitude of it. And I said, well, that's part of the charm. And the beauty of it is that it's built down into the ground. Um, obviously, the food. Um, but the fans, I mean, other ownership groups were just talking about, you know, just how crazy the fans were. And they're like, this is the ultimate party and celebratory experience. And so it was fun to be able to show that off. Um, but I would also say we're very lucky that they did bring all those people, you know, and it was a great opportunity to not spend, to spend time with other owners, not necessarily in a board of governors meeting, but, you know, certainly in a more fun setting. Obviously, when the clock started, we probably went our separate ways. But, you know, they just kept coming back to me going, your fans are incredible. You know, the energy in here. And, you know, you mentioned the fans and, and you, you were talking about the fans long before there was a stadium there. Um, you know, the, the ownership group had a, had a hunch that St. Louis was going to go big for a soccer club. Um, did they exceed expectations for you this season? Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean... When I had friends texting me, you know, at 9.59, I'm the second one in line at the pavilion because I just, I saw somebody with new city swag. I mean, it was almost like we've created sort of a fun monster in the fact that everybody wants city red. And I joke around that, you know, four years ago, 
or three years ago, I guess, when we launched the Crest, I'd see a sticker on a car and I'm like, well, obviously that person works for me. Now I see a sticker on a car and it's like, that's a fan, you know? And to think about going back, we built that brand, right? We created the colors, we created the Crest. With the help of the region, we came up with the name. And now fast forward, and it's spoken common knowledge like every day, like the Blues or the Cardinals. And you see, like I said, you see city hats, you see it on people's cars. And you just have this moment where you're so proud of your team, but it's like at the same time, like we did this, you know? And so um, absolutely fans exceeded every expectation I had. And from a from a soccer perspective, um, you know, you mentioned before the start of the season that you you were you were learning on the job. Um, you spent a lot of time with coaching staff, you've watched a lot of minutes, whether it be the academy, whether it be the City Two games that you go to. Um do you watch the game with a different viewpoint now than maybe you did at the start of the season? I do. And one of the things, so every week before the match, I would sit down with Lutz and we would discuss strategy, but I learned formation and I learned different numbers of where the players were. And when recruiting, you know, players in particular, why we might need a right foot or right back. And it, it, so it was really, it was, first of all, it was great for Lutz and I to have that opportunity, but I actually understood what was going on. And then I started sharing the match day notes with the family. And so it, it became sort of this really fun thing to talk about. You know, it would be like, well, why are we running a four, two, three, one, or why are we doing that? Or why is this person starting? And to be able to develop that knowledge where I'm like, well, they want to put, you know, this person in because he's a better defender against that person. And all of a sudden I found myself like, who am I? You know, but I, I've just enjoyed learning so much about it, but yes, cause now I'm, I'm, it's definitely more intense. So it's been exciting. And this club was always about more than soccer. There's the community aspect. There's the food and beverage side that I know that you take a, a great amount of pride in. There's the Academy city futures. There's a lot of um, brilliant aspects to what you do on a day-to-day -day role. Um, what do you personally find the most rewarding aspect of, of what you do? Wow, that could be a lot. Um, you know, I think a lot of it is just watching how ideas develop, you know, because we've had to come up with a lot of ideas. So, um, you know, just even the pavilion and how do we stock the pavilion and how do we have interesting merchandise? So partnerships with Luso to city futures, you know, how do we expand that program and where, what's, what, you know, parts of town do we need to be in? Um, and so I think it's watching just people with their passionate idea actually come to fruition because everybody can have a great idea, but when it it's executed on and done correctly and it yields these, you know, incredible successful stories. That's the, that is the best part of my job. And the, the Lusso story is something that I don't think a lot of people talk about. Could you tell us a little bit about why that brand is special to you and, and what happened there with regards to like MLS and the partnership? We actually kind of just started this with a, Hey, would you guys like to partner with us? Um, Lusso is known for some of their amazing clothing and accessories that they put out. And um, they said, we would love to. And then sure enough, we worked with the league and uh, now they're an approved vendor, but it's a way to create a unique line that's really only obviously here in St. Louis, but it's also a local female-owned business. And so there's a great story on multiple levels, not to mention their clothing is super cute and super comfortable. Um, one, one of the first female-owned businesses to create a partnership with MLS. Uh -huh. Is that correct? Absolutely. Um, 
And of course, secretly, you know, it's very unique pieces. And so it's always fun to have them. And sometimes I get first look at them. But, you know, it, I think it's just continuing to add to the story of why we want to keep building these local relationships with people and why we want to continue to keep presenting them in such a positive light, because it's just great to tell the overall story of St. Louis. So going back to the the broader ownership group, um, it's a it's, it's a tight knit group. You've been all been on a journey that nobody has really been on before. Um, the success, uh, like the the scale of what, what's happened, um, how has the relationship um, grown as the season's gone on? Has it been exciting for you all? Oh my gosh, absolutely! I mean, the family in particular they live for match days, and it's funny because we've now arranged our we arranged our calendar around match days. And we all had our funny little nuances, you know, Andy and Barbara had to sit in the same seat. Mom had to sit in the same seat. Um, I was just stressed out the whole time standing up, but it really actually brought the family together in a different way um, because going into it, none of us knew anything about the sport. And so we've all had to sort of learn together. But, you know, when your team wins, especially when it's close, there's nothing better than high-fiving, high-fiving and hugging your own family. And so, like I said, I would send match day notes and we would just go back and forth about, you know, just really about the sport and the players, but also just about, you know, food and everything else. And it, it was it was uh, it was a lot of fun to do this with them. And Andy famously said that he would never invest in a sports club. Mm-hmm. Um, how does he feel about the investment of the season's over? Um, you know, I don't expect him to tell, say that he was wrong. Uh, what I do expect him to say is, is that it was a whopping success and a great thing for the St. Louis region, which is exactly what we wanted to do. Fantastic. Um, are you talking about plans for next season already? Is it too soon? Like how how does that, um, how does that work? Seasons finished? Like what's the, what's the approach? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, you have to start thinking about 2024 in the middle of 2023, but you know, it's, it's, we've had such a great year, so we have to continue to build on that momentum. And so one of the things that I think the team is doing a really good job with is how are we going to continue that momentum and do we need to take a different look at it, right? Our food story launched epic, unbelievable. Our season, like I said, we were supposed to be at the very bottom, um, number one in the West. So I think there, again, going back to creativity, I think there's going to be a lot of discussion about how do we make season two just as exciting, if not more exciting. And so I'm really looking forward to what comes out of that. Um, and so just stay tuned. Okay, cool. So let's go back. Uh, let's go back to the media point. Um, cause the media did say we'd finish 13th or 14th. Some people really, really doubled down on it, mm-hmm. but we finished first in the Western conference. Um, you stuck to your guns. What, um, what do you put that down to? Like how, how do, how do we finish first? What was the, ma- what's the magic ingredient? Well, I think we didn't want to finish last. Um, but I think, I think a lot of it comes just from the leadership from Lutz down to the coaches. They were very clear about what kind of style they wanted to play. They were very clear about what kind of player they wanted. Um, but you know, those, those, those gentlemen run a tight ship over there. And I think not only did they expect these players to perform well on the pitch, but they expected them to perform well off the pitch. And so I think they worked a lot on trying to build up some trust, um, really work on them working as a team, but they also found very competitive, hungry players that were ready to prove something. And so I think that that sort of added to the secret sauce of 
at the end of the day, we were going to be a number one team. We were going to have, we had great players. Um, but I think they just needed an opportunity to show what they really were. And you saw some players that, you know, had some of their best seasons ever, and they had been in MLS for a couple of years. Um, you know, you've had some players that are just new to the MLS circuit that had amazing seasons. And so I think a lot of it really just came down to Lutz and Bradley and the rest of the coaches having a vision of what they wanted and they stuck to it. So on the non-soccer side, um, you built a club from zero staff to, you know, 140, 150 right now. It's been a successful season off the pitch as well. Um, could you tell us a little bit about how you went about that and what your philosophy for building um, the corporate side of the business was like? Well, I mean, we certainly, I mean, the nice thing is, well, there's a couple things, I guess. The nice thing is, is when you're a new sports team, everybody in the world wants to come and work for you. Um, so we would post a position and have hundreds of people. The hardest part was trying to figure out who was actually qualified for the position. Um, secondly, they needed to be a good fit with the team we had. You know, we started small and mighty. Um, obviously, 2020 kept that small and mighty group together. And so we needed to make sure that you were a good fit because this was a, this was a, you know, we had no idea what was coming. Um, and then third, I think it was really just finding people that were most qualified. And my philosophy has always been, you know, you're the expert in this area, so I'm going to let you do what you need to do. Um, and I think that that helped out a lot because the other thing too, was a brand new club. So we didn't have any established ways of doing things. It wasn't like, well, the predecessor, you know, the person before you did it this way. And so I think we were able to attract unbelievable talent, um, actually, you know, from, from St. Louis outside of St. Louis. And so I think really just, um, making sure that they always felt like they were part of a team. They are part of a team. They're part of a family, I think has also helped us keep them, which is important too. So um, putting trust in people is clearly important to, to you as a leader. Um, put a lot of trust in uh, Lutz. Can you talk about how your relationship with him has developed over the last nine months? Yeah, I mean, you know, Lutz has been, I mean, we hired Lutz in 2020 and he's had to build an academy, development team, obviously, help with the stadium and the training center. And so he and I have definitely had our ups and downs, but from day one, we've always had the same goal. And I think that that's helped keep us, if we start to drift apart, that brings us back together because we both remember why we're doing this. Um, I think over the last month, nine months, it's been really exciting because all of this stuff that he's been talking about and all of these amazing, you know, wild at times, you know, goals he had, he, he achieved them all. But more importantly, I think having that education piece on his part with me has been very special to both of us because he can take clips from past matches and say, okay, let me walk you through what happened here. Like, this is what you need to be looking for. Um, and so I think that from that perspective, it's been good. But, you know, he's an emotional, competitive guy. And so there were some times where I was, I was having to play therapist. So I'm like, it's okay. It's okay. And so I think he and I have a good balance with each other. And so you really got to sort of see that play out over the last nine months. And um, how important do you think um, representing ownership and being present um, with uh, Lutz at the, at the training ground has been this season? Well, I think, I think it's important because, you know, you want, in my opinion, if somebody's going to come out there and work as hard as this team does, 
um, and play in conditions 20 degrees to 120 degrees, I feel like they should know that we do care about them and we are invested in this. And this is not some project that we're going to push to the side. And, you know, we've had we had the whole family down to the training grounds a couple of times, actually. And so I hope that the players took that as this family's really invested in me. They're invested in my career, but also that we were committed to this. And this wasn't something that, you know, next year we're not going to be as committed. In fact, if anything, I think we're more invested after this year. Uh, you've got a lot of young players in the squad. How impressed have you been with their resilience this season and... Um you know, just how they've uh, given their all to the cause. Well, I mean, you can tell that they're super competitive and they're super passionate. And that's not unlike the qualities I grew up with in my family. You know, I mean, my grandfather was an entrepreneur, created this amazing rental car company, but my uncle was really the strategy and the brains behind it. And so being competitive is second nature to me. Um, but I also loved to your point, they were young and they were hungry and they wanted to prove to everybody that they were great soccer players. Just watching them um, go out there and play their hearts out. It's really a thing of beauty, actually. But I can relate to it because I'm just as competitive. And in speaking of competitive, um, you hired a rookie manager. Um, a lot of people had opinions about that at the start mm -hmm. of the season, but he's he's had a great year. Um do you feel proud that you took that risk and it paid off? And um, what do you think about the impact of Bradley Carnell uh, at St. Louis City? So when Bradley interviewed, it was one of those interviews where I'm like, this is exactly what we're looking for. You know, he understood the principles that Lutz wanted to execute. He understood the style of play. Um, there was confidence, but not cockiness, if that's the right way to say it. And he ended his presentation, a PowerPoint, by the way, with a picture of his family. And he talked about how important his family was to him. And I said, you know what? That's the kind of guy we need. Um, and, you know, he he had a tough job coming in. We were very fortunate. We actually brought him in six months before we probably needed to. So he could help with City too, but also help pick players, um, you know, and really kind of think about the strategy. And so, again, you know, far surpassed my expectations. Like you said, a rookie manager, he'd had, you know, he was an interim for a year, but then to be able to come on, you know, first year head coach, expansion club, not really knowing what you're going to get. I think he did a fantastic job. A sort of question that riffs off of um, that one. You brought a lot of people in from outside of St. Louis and I was listening to some of the press conferences yesterday and I'm thinking of people like Roman Berkey and Tim Parker. Um, a lot of people see St. Louis as home now. Um, I know that as a St. Louis native, that might not be a surprise to you, but does it warm you that people are coming to this city that, you, that, that you've been championing for years and you've got these, these guys coming in saying, this is my home now? Well, you know, it's one of those, again, I knew what should happen in my head. I know how St. Louisans are. But as we were recruiting these players, we did have – we did have some selling to do, right? Because if you go and look at some of the things in St. Louis, it's not always necessarily positive. But I think what makes me, again, just so happy is it's the people in the region. You know, they they open their arms to these players. They treat them like they've been here forever. Um, they'll talk your ear off, but that's what St. Louisans do. And so, I mean, I, I can't, one of the players in particular last year said, I'm not even going home for Christmas. I'm going to stay here because my neighbors are so amazing. Um, 
And so, yes, it makes me very happy that they're calling this home. And I think the city's better to have them in situations like that. But, you know, I'm also just excited that everything we told them was going to happen happened. And I guess to, to, to riff off of that as well, like um, confounding expectations, you put the stadium downtown. Mm-hmm. A lot of people said that that wasn't a good idea. Um, wanted to just get your take on how happy are you that the stadium's downtown and whether you could give us a bit of an overview, like what's the impact of this been? And do people outside of the club talk to you about that? Yeah, I mean, you know, first of all, it needed to be downtown. And there was space, which was amazing. Um, and that was important too. But also with what the design that we wanted to have, it needed to fit in, you know, kind of play off of, you know, Union Station and some of the other beautiful architecture down there. What I think was most amazing, though, is how much space we have. I mean, we're one of the only facilities in the world, I believe, that has their headquarters, their training, and their stadium in one piece, which also helped with recruiting, too. But I think what it means for St. Louis is it sort of is connecting these neighborhoods because you had this beautiful downtown with the Arch and Enterprise Center and the ballpark and and these parks. And then there was kind of this big open space. And then you sort of picked up at the beautiful historic SLU campus. And so to be able to now have that transition of you're leaving one, you know, beautiful neighborhood with SLU and then coming into downtown, um, it just sort of completed that whole corridor. But most importantly is it also provided density. You know, when you have all these people come down for a match or a non-game day match, it really started to help people feel better, honestly. And, um, you know, there were nights where we had Blues City, something was over at the Dome, over 100,000 people downtown, and there wasn't one major incident. And we hope to be able to tell more stories like that. Um but I think just overall, it just it kind of completed that corridor, and that was key. There were some early investments in the area. You know, we've got the the pitch that that popped up has been really successful. Are you starting to hear stories that there are other investments that are going to follow the the stadium? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great opportunity, especially for small businesses um, if they want to, you know, come in in a vibrant part of town. And, you know, one thing I think we're doing a very good job with is is non-game day events. Um, We have a lot of events that are popping up. Um, I think we we have some opportunity and how to continue to program Lufus Plaza, maybe on non-match day weekends. And so we're just excited going back to that creativity. We're just excited, you know, to what else we can do. However, it's great for some of these small businesses that want to come down and be part of the district. Um, but more importantly, you know, going back to you've got this beautiful Union Station and the aquarium and the Ferris wheel and all of this just excitement. And so to hear about, you know, more options for lunch or dinner or boutiques, especially, I think it's just I think it's a perfect time to move down by us. And I'm just excited to see what happens. Fantastic. So we might have been chatting off air, but you were talking about the importance of stability mm-hmm. Um do you see that as an important factor in the success of next season? Is there going to, you know, is, is, is movement going to be limited? Very much so. Because if you, there is the whole, a lot of the internationals arrived last summer. So they had about, they had three months roughly to play together as a team for city too. And I think that that was so key because when you think about it, everybody else had to be here January 9th. 
and we went right into preseason, well, a good chunk of those players had already played together. So they understood communication, playing style, and just even nuances about each other. And so I think stability is the key for next year because, like I said, and I think you brought it up too, these players put a lot of work. They put a lot of work into their skills. They put a lot of work into their match play. But they also put a lot of work in getting to know each other. And so I think that being able to arrive for preseason already knowing a lot of those nuances in particular, I think is a win for us, for sure. And so the way way it's shaping up right now is I think that there will be – I mean, obviously there's always going to be some in and outs, um, but I think it will be a limited number. Okay, and you mentioned City 2 there. Um, I wanted to get your take on the academy system and City 2. Building an academy is doing things the hard way. You did things the hard way. Uh, There's been some some fruits um, that have blossomed off the back of this. Um, How proud are you of the academy and what it's been delivering for for this city over the last year? Well, I think... Again, that was one of those things we came out strong, you know, and we doubled down on that and we were telling everybody we're going to, you know, build this free academy that offers, you know, your kids elite performance, great coaching. And to see the success that it's become is very exciting. And actually, I've been to quite a few academy games and it's just it's it's very interesting to see even how these players have sort of grown up over the years. Um, well, three years, I guess. And then City 2. City 2 is a unique entity. So one of the priorities is what are we really going to do and how do we capitalize on what City 2 is next year? You know, the timing was great. It was a Sunday afternoon. It was a great ticket to come in to see City Park, to watch potential first team players. But I'm so excited about the potential of City 2. Um, Because it really can be a great event, but also a great way to see, you know, the next big star, hopefully for City. Do you have any favorite success stories? Because I know success to you isn't always making it into the first team. There are other examples of that. Do you have any sort of things that you can share? Yeah, well, we have two in particular we've already signed. um, Tyson Pierce and Caden Glover. We've had a lot of really great stories. Um, One thing in particular, actually, now that you've got me thinking about it, that was a Lutz idea, but fits in with everything we're doing. He purposely wanted to create a U22 team and really was the opportunity for athletes that had talent, but probably not first team talent. And it was a way for them to keep playing, um, potentially get picked up by college scouts. Uh, I think last year we had 17 kids signed on to universities all over the U.S., everything from Northwestern to St. Louis University in our backyard, Carnegie Mellon. And It was very important to us that these kids, while they might not be able to have a professional soccer career, or at least at that point, at least they had an opportunity to go to college. They had an opportunity to continue playing the sport. And so I, for one, have been a huge fan of that program. Um, But to see the success of it, I think, has been a huge feather in Lutz's cap. And it would be remiss of me not to mention Miggy Perez. Uh, captured yeah. the hearts of a city. Yeah. Um, how, what, what did you make of that, especially when he scored his first goal? So I remember when they found Miggy and it was during COVID and Lutz is like, I signed this kid, Miguel Perez. And I was sort of like, well, that's great. You know, and I didn't put it all together until I put it all together. And I remember asking like, how old is he? And then he said, well, he's 17 at the time. And then he literally turned 18, graduated high school and scored his first professional goal. So it was an incredible week for Miggy. 
and I'm I'm not from St. Louis, but just to check, St. Louis people love St. Louis players coming into the mixer, right? Absolutely. Homegrown talent, because I'm guarantee you that his nursery school teacher was watching. His old neighbor was cheering him on. Um, but you know, to have such a young rising star coming from your own backyard, it just it does make St. Louis proud. Fantastic. And um I, I wanted to mention our supporter section. Um, at the start of the season, their objective was to become one of the noisiest in MLS. A lot of the players have said they are the noisiest. Uh, you've been to a lot of away day stadiums. Um, what do you make of the commitment of the supporters this season? And on a scale of one to noisy, where are you putting them? Well, I mean, they were definitely noisy, but it, that actually makes me more excited to see what they're going to bring next year. But, oh, they were the loudest by far. But I think it was just the passion and the enthusiasm and the, I mean, the chance. Oh boy, my aunt got on board with the chance hardcore. Um, but they really do add such a uniqueness that found in soccer, right? I don't ever see supporter sections like that at any other professional sport, at least here in the U.S. But they get you so excited and pumped up, and you know the drums are beating and everything else. And I'm I. I am very grateful for the energy they brought because waving that flag for as long as they did had to have been difficult. But it, you could tell that they would just mesmerize the fans right right off the bat. And um, I would say, hands down, that is the best supporter section in MLS. And the energy of the support section appears to have rippled around the stadium because there was a bit of debate during the season about sitting versus standing um, it died down as the season went on. Can you tell us um, a little bit about um, where that decision landed and you know what fans can expect next season from that debate? Yeah, I mean, I think standing to celebrate and cheer us on is amazing. However, I would just say be thoughtful of the people around you, right? Because we've all been in that situation. Um, and certainly, you know, our, we have top-notch guest services staff that have been very well-trained. So any concerns, questions, just grab a guest services staff person. Great. And um, our supporters and fans um, have worked closely with the club from the very start. We had um, FX council meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been support commissions. There's been city moves. There's been a lot of people feeding into the design of the club. Um, how important were those voices into what the end product um, at City Park has been? Well, I mean, I think it goes down to what what should we even be called? You know, over 5,000 submissions. What kind of food should we have in the stadium? You know, close to 10,000 submissions. One thing about this club is we've always wanted input, right? Because in my mind, I think this is a great experience. But then you find out, no, it's not. And so being able to have the different councils, you know, whether it was the female council, the LBGTQIA+, we learned so much about how they want to experience the stadium. We learned about things that we need to be thoughtful that will make them feel comfortable, make them feel safe. And those are really, really important because that's what gets people coming back. It's also a great way to continue to build your fan base. And so um, I was truly surprised, actually, at some of the feedback, but that's why we did it. And so every comment that was made, every piece of feedback we've gotten has been taken seriously. Um, if we had people give us not a great score on match day, there was a phone call that would follow up and say, can you please explain to me, you know, a little bit more what happened and what can I do to, you know, what can I do? 
And I think that that's so critical in making sure that we continue to offer that off the chart fan experience, but also one where people enjoy themselves because they feel safe and they feel accepted. So was that just a, a first season thing or is this part of the St. Louis City SC DNA moving forward to always engage with fans? Uh, it's part of the it's part of the club's DNA going forward. And, you know, with everything rapidly changing and we certainly have we definitely have a lot more groups that we need to reach out to, um, you know, and again, every single one of those brought back wonderful points that we did not think of. And but they are certainly important and they need to be addressed. They need to be addressed, consider, you know, consider, discuss whatever word you want to use. And so I am excited to continue those council meetings. And uh, just one last point on the supporters, um, the STL punks and friends created um, a TIFO for the Seattle game um, that had your shirt on the back of it. There's a really great picture of you looking at that TIFO. Um, how did that feel to see that go up at the end of the season? I mean, I'm not going to lie. I teared up a little bit. I might tear up a little bit now because, you know, to see your name up there like that is the coolest thing ever. I mean, I'm on a TIFO now. Um, I was, it was funny though, because everybody kept tagging me on Facebook, like, where did the 18 come from? And I was so bummed. I didn't have this great story that it was my lucky number when I played in high school. Literally my birthday is May 18th, 518. And I like the 18 better than the five. There's no secret to it. That's, that's as simple as it is. Your number's your number. I was, but you know how many May babies are in this region? So then we had to celebrate the May babies. It became a whole thing, but no, I mean, how lucky am I? I mean, I'm on a TIFO, but I, I, I was, um, like I said, it was emotional in a good way because it just, it, I just, it just makes you happy and you're so endeared to everybody. And, you know, obviously, um, I think that they're such a huge part of everything. And then, you know, to have them think of me in that way, you know, it just makes you happy. Fantastic. And I know another thing that makes you happy is, uh, the bigger than soccer initiative. You know, when I first interviewed at the club, it was like core to what this is. This is not just about what goes on on the pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, could you tell um, the fans listening what bigger than soccer means to you? Well, I mean, we've done a couple of really unique things. Um, so let me start with Pillars of the Valley. Um, it's an amazing art movement um, on the southwest corner. And really what it was, was to pay homage to the thriving town that was once where our stadium sits. Um, it was an incredibly huge part of St. Louis history, but interestingly enough, a lot of people didn't know about Mill Creek Valley. And so to be able to tell that story, to be able to bring back in some form or fashion to life, this thriving black community was very important to the club. And I actually, the first time I saw Pillars of the Valley, I was with the artist and what was supposed to be a half an hour interview turned into a two hour plus interview because I was so moved by it, you know, one kind of hearing the story, but two hearing how he got here, but three, you know, there's a plant that has names and these, and the jobs that they have. And it feels so real that I, everybody needs to see it. Um, but we also worked and got counter public, you know, an art exhibit back so that it allowed people from all over the St. Louis region to have exposure to art. And so I think that that was a really big, you know, sort of happy event for us because it is more than just a sport. But, you know, we've also done, you know, gosh, you know, we have our city futures program where we're, you know, introducing the sport to young children, which has been so much fun to watch. Um, I have an eight-year-old niece that, you know, I don't think soccer is going to be her sport, 
But, you know, she had an opportunity to play where some neighborhoods you don't have that opportunity. Um, and so I think we just really keep trying to look for, um, you know, things that are unique so they can be unique to city, but also have, you know, a benefit to everybody in the community. Breaking the pay to play model was, um, you know, one of the things that you wanted to hang your hat on. Um, how many kids have passed through City Futures so far and um, are there plans to expand? Yeah, I think well over a thousand kids have passed through City Futures. Um, I think one, yeah, the answer is yes, we need to expand, uh, but we've learned a lot. And so I think having, you know, that program be as successful as it's been, it's it's also definitely had some challenges. And so I think what we really need to do is, again, sort of go back to what's the focus of this what are we really trying to do here? What neighborhoods do we need to be in? Um, but also, we really want to make it a very cool experience, not only for the kids, but the people that are bringing them as well. And tell me about the mini pitches that have been going up. And we've seen some pictures, some very beautiful spaces. Like, what, what are they all about? Well, it was a good opportunity, again, for you know kids to go out and kick a ball around. I mean, certainly there's the health aspect of being active. But it's also, you know, they may find that this is a new sport that they are very passionate about. They may have a talent for it that they didn't know. Um, but it's also for adults, too. You know, I mean, how many people have told you that, you know, as an adult, oh, I would go out and kick the ball with my kid or my I'd go kick the ball with my friends. And so we just really want to make sure, again, going back to everybody in this region should have the ability to have some accessibility to the sport of soccer. I know that the point of City Futures is not to create lots of professional players, mm -hmm. but people do ask, um, do you think that there is any chance that maybe someone from City Futures might make it into the academy over the next couple of years? I mean, we may have the next Messi right here in the St. Louis region. You fingers never crossed. know. Yes, fingers crossed. But no, I mean, obviously, yes. Do we want to see if we you know, can produce some great soccer players? Of course. In reality, I don't, I don't think that that's I mean, it has a low probability, I guess I should say. But I think what's what's fun is to see kids out there being active. You know, I hate to say it, they're not on their phones. They're out there kicking a ball around. They're working on other skills, too, because part of City Futures is teaching some life skills that are just critical. Um, I love when the parents jump in. You know, every now and then some parent will jump in and start kicking the ball around with their kid. And so I think that that's important as well. Um, so I think the I think. While, yes, you know, could there be the next big soccer player coming out of City Futures? Um, I would say that I think it's more important to get more kids exposure to the sport. Your your expertise pre-City was with the Enterprise Foundation. So mm -hmm. community is, is core to you. How have you used that expertise um, running a soccer club? Well, I think part of it really is having a good sense of where you can launch a successful program first and foremost. And by that, I mean, where are you going to get buy-in from the community and whether that's elected officials, residents, um, you know, just in other, even sometimes businesses around that community. But, you know, when you're new, everybody wants to be one of your partners. And so we've had to have some tough conversations in a positive way, just really trying to figure out who we want to partner with because we want to make sure that we have that very special relationship with these partners. Um, and I think finally, third and foremost, it's just kind of knowing where the area of need really is. Um, you know, everybody thinks that, oh, we need to go to this neighborhood. And that's not necessarily true. 
um, or you need to go to this neighborhood with this service. And so I think having that background um, helped because when we were trying to develop this program, it's, I'm telling you right now that I think this is where we need to sort of target our neighborhoods. And these are, like I said, this is where we're going to get the buy-in, especially with many pitches, because somebody's going to have to help us upkeep them, for instance, or help us program them. And so when you have um, a strong community that really wants something like that, it makes that makes it so much easier for us at the club. I know that um, at City, we include the food story as part of the community story. Um, uh, people see all of the local restaurants in the stadium, but you told me some of the thinking behind that. Um, mm. Could you explain why that food story is important outside of game day? Well, one of the things is, is that, you know, St. Louis has an amazing food scene, but nobody ever talks about it. And you don't think about that note being true, even if you live here. So one of the great things about bringing in all these local vendors was the hope was, is that it would get you outside of your neighborhood and you would try something that you may or may not try left on your own accord. And what we found in our mid-season survey was over 53% of our people that took the survey, which was in thousands, said, I will go back and visit this brick and mortar restaurant. So first of all, it helps with the small businesses, but it promotes the food and beverage scene. But most importantly, I think it gets you out of your neighborhood. It gets you out of your routine. It introduces you to different types of cuisine and this amazing cuisine that St. Louis has. And so I laugh. I, I would never think of going to get a taco on Cherokee Street. After preparing all these restaurants, I love getting tacos on Cherokee Street. I never would have gone for Bosnian food in Webster. That's my go-to craving right now. And so I myself um, a per- of a perfect example of not knowing that these crazy gems existed. And now I know a lot more about the food scene. Um, and so I'm personally excited to go visit them as well. Fantastic. Um, Balkan Treat Box and Steve's Hot Dogs just did a partnership as well. So not only are people going into different neighborhoods, we've got uh, restaurants from different neighborhoods now partnering up mm-hmm. who obviously met in the stadium because they're next door to each other is that kind of a, another example of a success metric. Yes. I mean, and that's, and that's what we need. Um, you know, Gerard Kraft certainly, you know, consulting with us and he was the one that actually brought a lot of these chefs together. And I remember him once telling me that it is so important for chefs to actually work together and restaurants to work together. And so to hear, you know, some of these partnerships that come out of it, first of all, I'm so excited. I, I, I can't even imagine, is it, is it, you know, a euro on a hot dog. Like I'm, I'm dying to know what this is, but it also goes to show that people are really, you know, obviously committed to their, their craft, but also committed to the city as well. I mean, that could be a great story to tell. And so I'm, you know, now I'm excited. And then when thinking about what you've done over the last year, and I know you're very humble, so I don't want to put you on the spot here, but you've um, come into a male dominated industry Mm -hmm created a beautiful stadium experience, taking a team to first in the Western Conference. Does it, how does it feel to know that you are now a role model for a, a generation of, of, of women and men coming up um, with what you've done here? Well, I think, you know, I think I've been around role models, you know, I mean, just in my family alone. I mean, my grandfather, my uncle, you know, certainly my mom, my cousin, my sisters. I mean, I'm blessed to come from a very successful family, but a family that's also worked hard. 
Um, I think the other thing I've learned too is that you can honestly know nothing about sports and yet still manage to have a successful sports team. You just have to be, you know, you have to be passionate about it. You have to be willing to work hard. And so I love telling the story that you can, whatever you want to do, there's probably a place for you in a sports team. And so I think being able to tell the story about how I got here and having zero sports experience is part of the fun. Um, but I think it's also a great message of if you're passionate about it and you want to work in sports, you can make that happen. And then um, are you bringing young people into sports through like intern programs or anything like that? Yes. So we had an internship program last year. Um, it was, it was fun and it was fun to watch, you know, first of all, they're just so excited, you know, and they always had smiles on their face and then they would always come by and say hi. And, you know, you just couldn't help but laugh, but to see the talent, you know, these kids have, especially in a space I'm not familiar with, which is more of the social media, digital stuff. I was learning a ton from the interns. And so I think it's just, it is exciting to bring the interns in, you know, obviously with the goal of hopefully someday we convert them to city employees, but I would say in general, um, you know, just, just the young, excited, hungry people that come to work for the club, it's, it's inspiring, you know, and over the last couple of years, when you've had your tough days, you know, to see these people just, what do we need to do? And bring that energy of we're going to get it done and it doesn't matter. And I've got you. I mean, I said in a speech the other day to the staff, you know, it's very rare to find a group of people that get along as well as this group does. And if somebody's having a bad day, it's not one person that's going to pick you up. It could be two or three people that pick you up, myself included. And so I find that to be such a unique office setting. And so I just want to make sure that we cherish that and we remember that because there may be a day where you are the one that's down. And so I, you know, I, I can't thank them enough because they've definitely made this so much fun. Fantastic. And, uh, you get a lot, we get a lot of questions from the fans about potentially setting up, um, a women's soccer team uh, at some point. You mentioned it, um, a few weeks ago. Yeah. Is there any update on that? You know, we've always talked about it. We always knew it was out there, but, un but unfortunately or fortunately we had to get all of this in the right place. And, you know, I go back to, we didn't know about a development team city too, until about two years ago. And so I think, you know, certainly we're always going to monitor it and keep an eye on it. But, you know, right now there's so much that we need to do in our own backyard that I think it's it's certainly a topic of discussion. Okay. So um, onto the final section of the podcast, we're going to talk about next season. You've had a brilliant first season. What are your ambitions for next season? Um, I just can't wait for the season, you know, to start up. And I can't wait to bring this, the region back together, the fans back together. Um, our creative team, I'm sure, will have an incredible theme. Um, people are already excited about merch. And I think uh, the jitters of that first year being behind me, it's almost like I get to, I think I'm going to enjoy each match more and more. You were talking about um, sporting philosophy there. The mm -hmm. philosophy has been that the team is the, is, is the DP. Mm -hmm. um, will that stay the same? Um, during this next transfer window? As as far as I know, yes. I mean, I always say to Lutz, if it's not broken, why fix it? And I think Lutz's philosophy really helped out quite a bit. And you actually saw it play out in other clubs where there was somebody who was being paid quite a bit of money and there might have been some animosity and just some uneasiness. And I don't, I don't 
think you saw that in our club. Quick question about season ticket renewals. Um, did did most people renew over the over the last month or so? Yes. So season ticket renewals over ninety percent. Wow. Um, that were eligible because last year we had quite a few of that percentage signed three-year contracts. Um, and so we're just, you know, so excited. Um, start a new year. Um, again, learning a lot from the last year, but um, our season ticket holders, they're excited too. Um, can't wait. And um, we like to finish the podcast off. Little tradition. Um, it's a message directly to the fans. Um, take the mic. Well, I, you know, I think, you know, as we close out 2023, I think it's just, you know, thank you. And I can't say it enough. Um, This is all possible because of everything that they did. And um, it was a great year. Uh, Thanks for the love, (laughs) even after a loss. Um, And the renewed, you know, the faith that they have had in us. So when we start 2024, um, we need to come out screaming, yelling, um, just as excited, if not more excited and be prepared for a fantastic year uh, on and off the pitch. It's going to be exciting. Um, certainly, you brought up CONCACAF, Leagues Cup, Open Cup, MLS. We have so many exciting things to look forward to. Fantastic. Um, Carolyn, thank you for spending so much time um, talking to the fans about everything that's gone on before. Congratulations on the amazing season. If you are listening to this podcast, you know what to do. Give it a five-star review, leave a nice message, and maybe Carolyn will come back and talk to us next year. Uh, And on that note, we'll say ciao for now. Thank you, Carolyn. Thank you.